0: Hello, this is Jeremiah, host and producer of the Stereoactive Movie Club podcast, with a quick note before the show begins. This episode was actually recorded way back in September of 2021. Mia and I had a baby in the fall, and due to that, some health concerns leading up to the birth, and now actually being parents of a lovely little one, we had to unceremoniously put the podcast on hold for a while. We hope you'll bear with us as we work toward getting back on track with the show in the coming weeks and months, though. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to the Stereoactive Movie Club. My name is Jeremiah, and I am here with Alicia, Laura, Mia, and Steven. And we're going to be talking about the 1974 film, The Godfather Part II, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. But before we go on, let's hear from everyone about what movies they've watched since the last time we recorded. Alicia, how about you? Um, Well, I haven't watched any movies that I could think of. Um, I did
1: watch. Tisking you. um, You're fired. I know. (laughs) I watched. I did watch that um, Netflix, like September 11th anniversary documentary they put out, which was like a four episode long thing. Mm. Um, So that was really um, depressing. And (laughs) other than that, I've been reading (laughs) books. Ew. (laughs) So. Um, nothing too impressive, though. Just like, you know, some English mysteries. And, of course. Of course. Yeah. Distractions. That's about it.
0: Yeah. Very on brand. Uh, <laughs> Laura, how about you?
2: I've watched a bunch of movies, but the one that I want to mention is Badlands by nice. Terrence Malik. Yeah. This Spacek, Martin Sheen. And I'd never seen it. I thought I had seen it, but I think I just convinced myself I'd seen it because it's one of those like, films you should see (laughs) if you Mm -hmm. care about movies but I hadn't and it was just so gripping and beautiful I mean obviously Malick and like the up close and insect shot you know was like (laughs) really interesting but the music fit so well it 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 reminded me of the movies that it inspired Mm -hmm. and just two films came to mind and Natural Born Killers was one yeah um which they MTV'd it. Mm-hmm. It's, it was pre-social media. So it's just really... Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of bottom of the barrel, you know, like mm-hmm. downtown Julie Bound version of Badlands. And then, um, no offense, Julie. And uh, True Romance was the other film that came to mind mm-hmm. and how like the, old, the narrative and the lyrical aspect to the violence. It was really something.
0: And both of those written by Quentin Tarantino.
2: He wrote Natural Born Killers, too? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that.
0: I always wanted to do a lovers on the run film festival where it's like uh, they live by night, Bonnie and Clyde, Badlands, Natural Born Killers, I guess True Romance. I don't remember that movie well enough. Yeah, Um, they're on the run for sure. And uh, I know there's others, but that I can't remember. There's so many others. It's like a whole trope that I think is interesting. Mia?
3: I watched The Apartment, which I'd never seen before and was really fun and great. And that's it for movies. Getting through the last season of The Wire, finally. I took like a four-year break after (laughs) watching the first first few seasons because I was so depressed. Um, And then I'll let you talk about Why, The Last Man, but also watching that and really, really enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the apartment was great. It was good to see that again. It's been a while and I've forgotten all the details of it. Just remembered like the broad strokes, like premise of it basically. And yeah, I'm really enjoying Why the Last Man on FX. Uh, it's a pretty good adaptation of the comic book as far as I'm concerned and does some smart things with it to make it feel more of the moment. Also on FX, I really like reservation dogs and I highly recommend it. If anybody it's has great yeah, it's like such a great mix of hilarious and like sad and like it's about trauma and stuff in a way that yeah. is very well done and uh very moving and hilarious.
2: I feel like such a nerd because I just think the the music is so good. It is. And it's it's so great. So my age. Yeah. You know, that Halo Bender song that they just had in there, yeah. you know, I was like Fuck,
0: I love that song. Yeah.
2: Maybe it was beat happening either way. It's just it's like totally, but it, it the mix of it, the rat, there's all these different genres.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not to discount how great the the show is because it's really smart and really interesting. But yeah. Usually when I I focus on a music. Of the show, I thank God they're just stealing everything and they're sucking the souls out of all the best songs. But this, it's just really complimentary, and they do it, and I think in a really beautiful way.
0: Yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, and Stephen, how about you? What what have you been watching?
4: Um, I've been working a lot, so I haven't seen. Any movies except for this one, and I managed to sneak in watching Taken Two with Liam Neeson. Thank God, which is like, yeah, it's about a ninety-minute movie, so I was like, I think I can do this one. Um, It was if you only watch
3: one thing this week. If you watch
4: one thing this week, make it Taken Two. It was it was fine. Well, we are talking about sequels, right, this yeah. week. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was entertaining. It was pretty ridiculous, and that's saying something considering Taken the first one was pretty ridiculous. But it was it was fun, and I completely forgot about it ten minutes after I watched it. Mm.
2: So. <laughs> it's my favorite
3: kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you can watch it again. It's like a whole yeah. new movie.
4: I'm like, oh. <laughs> <True>. <laughs>
0: So for those who may not have listened to the show before, this is a podcast where the five of us are discussing movies that have appeared on Science Sound Magazine's poll of the greatest movies ever made that comes out every 10 years. The next poll will be out in 2022, so we're basically using that as our prompt to watch some classic movies ahead of it. And again, this time we're talking about The Godfather Part 2. But before we get into the history and background of the movie, what did each of us know about it going into this viewing? Who had seen it before? And if not, what were you expecting, of anything? And Mia, since you picked this one, can you start us off and explain why you chose it as well?
3: Sure. Um. So I had seen this movie, movie before. Um. You and I actually saw it at Nighthawk mm-hmm. some years past, which was really was funny. Was it a date? It was a date, yeah. Was it like early on? Pretty early. Mm-hmm. Pretty
0: early. First six months, I guess. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I'd seen it there. That was the. Uh, probably the only time I've seen this. before. It was definitely the first time I've seen it, and I don't think I've seen it since then. And... You know, I I thought it was great. I think it was great. I'm just going to go ahead and say I think it's better than the first one. And I chose it because my pick for the last round was The Godfather. And I'm an uncreative person. But mostly because <laughs> I just wanted to watch them relatively close together. So that I just figured the conversation would be better that way for all of us. Rather than watching it mm-hmm. potentially months from now and yeah and i was excited to go into this viewing watching it not just like sitting back in a movie theater and enjoying it but to you know know that we were going to be talking about it and analyzing it so yeah
4: there you go stephen how about you i saw it maybe 20 years ago uh, right after i saw the godfather and then i saw it maybe 10 years ago um so i was excited to see it this time because we had just watched as Mia had said godfather a few weeks ago so it would be more fresh in my mind um, so yeah, I was excited to see it just because I wanted to see what, uh, what I picked up on. And if I, I was one of the few people I think or not few, but I enjoyed Godfather the first one better than the second one. So I wanted to see if that kind of held up seeing them kind of close mm. to each other again.
0: Okay. And Laura, how about you?
2: Obviously these movies have been kind of important. I've seen them multiple times that I've seen this one, not as much as the first one I was ready and willing and able to
1: watch it again. <laughs>
0: Great. Uh, Alicia, how about you?
1: Yeah, this was my third time, I think, seeing this. And um, yeah, I I have a lot of like respect and appreciation for this movie, but it's I don't like it as much as the original.
0: All right. Uh, So we got some suspense from some corners of the podcast. No suspense from others. We'll see where this goes. But (laughs) um, So for me, yeah, like I think the last time I watched this all the way through is when Mia and I went and saw it like she was talking about. And I'm, I think I came out of that viewing of it wondering if this should definitely be in the running for like one of the best movies ever made because it's just like the scope of it is so impressive to me. And I, I'm not sure where I come down on it now. We'll get to that, but like it's that's where I was coming into it. I enjoyed it so much, and I think especially seeing it in that setting of in a movie theater for the first time was great. And I think it opened me up to like how big and impressive the movie actually is after I'd seen it I don't even know how many times before that on DVD or VHS before that over the years um I've now seen the first and the second one on on the big screen and it's great to see these movies like that um when possible but I mean I'll take them any way I can also um but yeah anyway that that's where I was coming into it I had like big expectations from my last viewing so yeah and um, so, why don't we get a little bit into the history of the movie? The Godfather Part Two? both continues the story begun in the first film and deepens it by depicting what came before. We watch as Al Pacino's Michael Corleone continues in the family business, building his empire while trying to hold on to his family, both actual and figurative. This is cross-cut with the portrayal of his father Vito's rise from an unfortunate child in Sicily to a respected man in New York, is deftly played by Robert De Niro. We watch as the older man builds his empire in order to, as he seems to view it, strengthen his family, just as the younger man causes his family to weaken as he extends his father's empire. Mario Puzo, the author of the novel on which the first movie and the overall saga were based, began working on the script for part two before the first movie was even released. And, at least according to Coppola, the production of this follow-up was much more smooth than that of the first film as that installment's success afforded him greater opportunity for control and independence from the studio, Paramount Pictures. It was released in December of 1974, and though the critical reception was mixed at first, with the film's structure drawing the most consternation, reassessments began sooner than often happens. The film was nominated for many awards, earning six Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Robert De Niro, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, and Best Original Dramatic Score. It was also nominated for five other Oscars, Best Actor for Al Pacino, Best Supporting Actor for both Michael V. Gazzo and Lee Strasberg, Best Supporting Actress for Talia Shire, and Best Costume Design. In addition to being the big winner at the Academy Awards that year, the film was also the sixth highest-grossing film of 1974 in North America. To give a sense of what else was popular at the time, the five films ahead of it were From 1 to 5, The Towering Inferno, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Earthquake, and The Trial of Billy Jack. The Godfather Part II was included in AFI's 100 Years 100 Movies list in 1998, ranked at number 32, and it stayed in the same spot when that list was updated in 2007. For our purposes, it gets a little messy. The film ranked number 9 on Sight & Sound Magazine's survey of directors in 1992, but when it was paired with Part 1 for the survey in 2002, the two films collectively came in at number 4 on the critics' poll and at number 2 on the directors' poll. So, Mia, since this, again, was your pick, can you start us off with your thoughts on the film after this viewing and whether it lived up to your memory of it?
3: Yeah, um, it definitely lived up to my memory of it. And I actually, I mean, the first time that I... So the only time I've seen it before this was my first time seeing it. So obviously there was a lot of stuff that was like, oh, my God, whoa, that happened. And, you know, just the enjoyment of seeing it for the first time. I have a horrible memory for movies. And it was six years ago that I saw it for the first time. So I got to enjoy many of those moments again (laughs) in the flashbacks when uh, Vito kills the guy who killed his mother. Like I was like, oh, my God, like totally didn't cheat you. Yes, don't you? Yes, exactly. Um I mean I knew he was going to kill him, so like it wasn't that, but just the like the slash across the stomach, brutality of it. I was like, "Oh my god." Um, <laughs> she really was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: very
3: violent. It's very violent. Yeah, so But in it, such a satisfying way. Oh yeah, totally. Like I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, kill him." Cuz I I to me so much of the you know th- stuff that I thought about watching this movie again knowing that we were going to be talking about it obviously is like what is strong what is weak when do you take revenge when do you let something go like just how all these things play out for all these different characters and like when do you just kind of have to bite your tongue when do you let loose and just give someone you know a piece of your mind and stuff so to me I was sort of like is he gonna come you know it's been like all these years like there was part of me that was like is he gonna do something even though I was like I'm pretty sure he's gonna do something so um anyways yeah that was a fun fun I have to say film.
2: that's a beautiful question about this film to pose so quickly like what is strong and what is weak I think that means a lot in terms of the film
3: yeah well the the scene when Michael goes in his yeah, Michael goes and is talking to his mother and he's like asking about his dad and I should have written down what the exact question was. But basically like about being strong and keeping your family together mm-hmm. and, you know, not to skip yeah. ahead to our questions later. But that just really <clears throat> that stuck with me throughout the rest of the, you know, the rest of the film and just really informed how I looked at the whole film of like the choices that we make and the choices that he's kind of forced to make by who he is and his role in the family, the choices that other people make, and just, you know, ultimately, like just this tension of strength and weaknesses. I think him saying he's going to take their business legitimate, but like never making any (laughs) real moves in that direction, Um, also tying into like, is he being strong? That or is he being weak and unwilling to change? Um, I don't I'm sure we can get into all of that, but yeah. Um, did it live up to my memory of it? I mean, I would say it surpassed it. I was just like, oh, such a good movie! So good.
4: <laughs> and Stephen, how about you? Um, yeah, it lived up to my memories of the movie. I thought it was really well crafted and it was just really entertaining, and the, uh, the performances were amazing. Um, but I still did prefer the first one, I think, just because, I, I think maybe because Robert De Niro showed up in this movie and he was so compelling from the get that I was just really gravitating towards the, the past scenes, um, just because he was such a joy to watch. And then also that, that story was sort of new and it sort of put a lot of perspective into the, the man that Michael was. So for that, it was new to me, just to see how he kind of evolved as a character and how he was in the first movie. And then in the second one, the same with his dad, how he ended up, you know, the way that he was. So it's sort of like a reverse. So for me, that was much more interesting. So whatever, I was always taken out of those scenes when we went to the present, when we saw Michael, I was sort of like, oh, I want to go back to seeing what Vito is doing. So I, mm. I, it was always kind of in the back of my head I kind of wanted those scenes to be over so I could go back to see what Vito was doing. Um, but also I felt like Michael was a lot more impenetrable in this movie since he was sort of we knew his evolution in his story that when we saw him this time he had sort of been kind of fully baked and we sort of knew what he was going to do and I don't know if it was just this viewing I felt like it was sort of he was an impenetrable like he, he couldn't get touched even though he was almost assassinated at the beginning of the movie I didn't really feel like there was any jeopardy for him. Um, throughout the rest of the movie. So I felt like he was just going to get revenge and he was going to get his way. And I don't know if that's just the way that it sort of played out for me as I was watching it. Um, But overall, I really did love the movie and it just was, you know, it it was still really great, but I still did prefer the first one.
2: Stephen, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, And forgive me, I, I, did you say that there was aspects of the background with De Niro and the, the past stuff that made you appreciate the first movie more?
4: Yeah. I think so. I mean, just in in terms of his personality and his connection to the family was just so much more. And you could see that in the first movie, how he doted on his kids and mm-hmm. he really loved his wife, especially in the parts before he um, he became like an organized crime kind of person. Mm-hmm. I just saw how he treated his kids and just his family and how important that was, or how important Italians were, because he's like with the other person, the other Don that he had eventually killed. He was just like, how could he do this against other Italians? Other
2: Italians. Yeah,
4: it just felt to me that he just had a much more like view of family was different. I think. Yeah. Um. So like it it, it really played out in this movie, so you kind of understood it a little bit more.
2: That's very fascinating and I think I've I I have a similar view not to to jump well, in but it no just, no it's
0: I mean no. you're next anyway so yeah um, exactly I was done with
4: my comments
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love this film so much I have but I have a different relationship with this film than I do with the first one and I mean don't we all have like relationships with movies aren't we all dating them <laughs> <laughs> I agree the first one is perfect to me Um, this film is brilliant and beautiful and there's so many scenes that I just hold close to my heart but what I would take and the reason why I like the first one better is that the first one has this way of making us they both make us complicit and like part of the family Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but the first one I feel like makes us feel smarter and that we're in on on what's going on, and this one is pretty nonlinear. And the first time you watch it, maybe the second time you watch it, you have to miss stuff. There's no way, and people can get it all. I was I was lucky, I feel, to rewatch it this time with someone who'd never seen it before, and we had to stop it multiple times so I can explain the scenario to them, the Cuba stuff, the kiss of death, all that, you know, and, and it wasn't because it was so, you know, lofty, it was just so much going on so many different elements. And I know it by, you know, like the back of my hand, like the back, the black hand, on <laughs> but um, I can't imagine people watching this on a first viewing and getting what you need to get out of the film. And that's why I like the first one over
0: this one. Right. Alicia?
1: Yeah, I, I do agree. I think the first movie is just a little tighter and a little more fun for whatever reason. <laughs> the plot line with like Roth and Cuba and Pantangelo. its It's very kind of convoluted. And I think it's supposed to be like, I think you're supposed to find it confusing because Michael's confused and he doesn't know actually like, who's against him and who betrayed him until, you know, a little further in the movie. But, um, but I do love the, the Robert De Niro, uh, Vito Corleone scenes. I, I, lo- I really enjoy that stuff. And um, the thing that I was thinking the most about after I finished this, <laughs> finished it this time was like the whole anti-hero thing and how, we've watched like f- several movies now that have like the anti-hero as the main character and i i the more we do them the more it like hits home for me that like in our society right now <laughs> the anti-hero has become like the hero mm-hmm. and people just look at stuff like this as like cool or badass or something and like they they are more interested in the power and the money or whatever then the decline and the actual outcome for the the person in the end and all the people around him. And, um, yeah, it really, um, I find it really troubling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have mixed feelings about it. So sort of like Scarface and how that was, mm-hmm.
2: Taken and idolized. Yeah. That's how you feel this film has I been.
1: Think, I feel a lot of film, not just this one. I mean, I think there's a lot of movies, not necessarily even all like gangster mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. but just like, um, uh, what's, the, what's the TV show, Breaking Bad? Mm-hmm. I feel like people just like enjoyed, like, what's Walter gonna do next? Right. You know, is like, and I, that's like- interesting because I stopped watching that because I found it very disturbing. Hmm yeah i mean i i did finish that series but i mean hopefully i took the right message from it <laughs> right. but i think a lot of people well, yeah. in our society
0: i mean yeah. that's to me like what the difference is with this but between this and like some other movies that don't do it as well i guess because mm-hmm. because i think the intention of of the filmmaker and the artists who are making it like isn't to glorify uh this anti-hero and in, in fact i'm not even sure that i would I, i'm curious what who you're calling the anti-hero here because i i would say Vito is an anti-hero and it's possible that michael isn't he's just a villain by the end um that's what i think oh. is interesting about yeah. this movie and i think that sure some people like look at it and they're like that's fucking badass i want to be like that and they're taking the wrong thing from it and that's on them you know i'm not saying that you're saying Otherwise, but that's what I think is interesting about movies like this is that it does this weird thing that is easy to misread <laughs> and and take the wrong message from. And that's but that, I think that's kind of the power of it, too, is like when you when you get it and kind of understand what it is and and have that realization, it's so much deeper than if you take the surface surface level sort of reading of it of just like, wow, this is cool that this guy can pull all the shit off and like be an asshole to his wife and all this stuff. And that's kind of what I really like about this movie. I have complicated feelings about the whole like, is it better than the first or not? Because like this movie doesn't work without the first movie. Like the first movie, Uh if they never made another one, it would still be a masterpiece, I think.
2: I saw this film before I saw the first film. Really?
0: No, oh, interesting. I, I, I can't imagine it making much sense. Because it's like, to me, that this movie, going into it, having seen the first movie, even the first time I saw this, after the first time I saw the, the first movie, um, it, it's so much about getting more depth on some of the characters that you've already seen. And then seeing, the in terms of Vito, and then seeing this story continue for Michael and see his downfall, you know, its it, and it's all about, like, the rise and the fall of this family all, all being told at once. And, like, that's what I think is also interesting about the cross-cutting of it is that it's like they pick very particular moments to make those transitions from uh, the present of the film to the past. And it's always, like, the, a thematic uh, attachment between what's happening in the father's Story with the son story of just sort of like a contrast of well, this is how he dealt with this and why, and this is why he, Michael is doing it wrong or showing you you know like how he could have done it better because um Vito's whole story is like like I tried to write into the intro for this um I think it's about how he's do he he falls into this life because he is all about his family and he wants to help his family and keep his family safe. And then through an extension of that, his neighbors in his neighborhood. Um, but with Michael, it's, it's more that he had the family and he's more interested or he gets, he gets, he, he takes his eye off the ball and gets too focused on the empire thinking that that is what you need to do to keep the family Mm -hmm. instead. And he just kind of loses track of what is going on with them and what his place is in the family and loses them completely. Um, so anyway, I feel like I'm talking too much right now, but uh, no, no,
2: you're making sense.
0: But yeah, I, I think that the the movie's super dense, and like yes. I I think it definitely takes multiple viewings. Like I've I have no idea how many times I've seen this movie now. Probably at least a half dozen, maybe as many as ten times, and I'm still like noticing things, if not for the first time. At least things that like I've forgotten about, and I'm just like, oh right. my god, I can't believe I missed this, or I missed the way that this connects to this other thing. And I think it also comes from just being older and having more life experience and being able to recognize certain things in a different way at this point in my life, as compared to when I saw this when I was like probably 17 or something, you know. And it, it, I just think it's one of those almost foundational works, along with the first movie, because like I really, I, I, I guess the way I would parse it. In terms of the question of what is better, I think the filmmaking of this movie is better because I think Francis Ford Coppola, you know, he's 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 a, a filmmaker who has the experience of that first movie under his belt as well as other work. And you know, he's someone who is still progressing in his skills. And I think the storytelling and the art of it is more advanced. but i it's hard for me to say that this movie can be better because it doesn't make any sense without the first movie to me.
2: that's a really interesting. Idea. I mean, I think the filmmaking in and of itself. Because um, I was talking to my aunt and my cousins today, and they were talking about how my grandfather loved this movie mm-hmm. because they he loved the scenes of young Vito Corleone coming to Ellis Island and all of those scenes because he said it was so true to life. So he would rewatch those scenes because it reminded him of what he went through. And just to be able to capture that and what the Lower East Side was like mm-hmm. um, at that time. It was just, it's genius what he did. But at the same time, I think this film does stand on its own.
3: I, I tend to agree with you. I think when you said that you watched this one first, for the first time, you know, the first time you saw it, yeah. I was like, I mean, I, I think it would be a little tricky, but I think the first time you watch The Godfather, you're also like, wait, what happened They're there? very or, tricky films. Yeah, it's not oh. an easy film. <laughs> it's it's interesting to me just well what i was going to say real quick about the ellis island scenes is i loved those too and i loved the um all the different outfits that they show people wearing i mean i think it would have been really easy just to be like oh a bunch of people and kind of like bland, like generic like european peasant wear but there's like people <laughs> clearly from like russia in these like fur outfits and just you know it, it really made me be like oh yeah like when people came to america they wore what they'd always worn and you know some of that is like yeah. not what <laughs> you would <laughs> then be walking around in new york city and and what was that transition like and yeah i love that um i it's interesting to me that they did the cross-cutting and the two different timelines in this film and because you totally could have just taken the veto plot line and made like a prequel movie later. Yeah. And I wonder mm-hmm. if they were making these movies today, if that's what they would have done, because they would have been like, oh, we can get that's a whole an other question. movie out of this. Like mm-hmm. the yeah. prequel. I think that's a
2: very interesting question. Today, I think you're absolutely right. It would be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, Especially
1: if um, Michael Corleone were running the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Or or either that or it'd be
0: a prestige series on HBO or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then we can stream
2: it.
0: That's the thing to me, though, is that like that's the genius of this movie is that it has those two timelines cross cutting. And like I said, there's these thematic uh, attachments between the two characters that deep in each other as you as you go back and forth between them. And like I've I remember watching because they, they've done things over the years with this saga where they like basically put it in chronological order. Chronological order. Yeah. They've Terrible. done that like on AMC or something years ago. Terrible. And it, it just like it, it destroys it to, like I don't understand the the inclination to do that, I guess. It just it's 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 taking away the artistry of what he does in this movie. Uh, in my opinion but yeah yeah i'm
3: not saying there should be a prequel no no i know, I'm I know. <laughs> no no we understood We yeah did. i'm curious alicia you were we were talking before we got on and you were saying you you figured out the oranges
1: well i think I, well yeah I think sure that okay. maybe i did in this in this movie not necessarily mm-hmm. the first one but um in this one i i noticed that um it's kind of associated with like power and how mm-hmm. people are using or, or achieving their power. Like when Don Finucci is out walking down the street, he just like grabs an orange and goes, doesn't mm-hmm. like talk to anybody He just takes it. Mm-hmm. And Vito it, gets given the oranges by the fruit vendor. Uh, so some, so it's more like his community is saying, Oh, you're worthy of like power. And then in the end, Michael is straight up like eating an orange as if it's mm-hmm. an apple. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. But obviously, just like eviscerating the That's apple a power. And, like, move. yeah. Like, well, I'm just like destroying it, you know, mm-hmm. like, so, or cheapening it or whatever. Right. I,
0: I actually wonder, because it, it it became a whole thing, especially with the first movie where people were like, oh, there's always oranges in a scene where someone's going to die. And then I think we talked about this when we talked about the first movie. Mm-hmm. That was actually just sort of a, a coincidence because the art director was like, I just want to pop a color in these scenes mm-hmm. and oranges are a nice way to do that. And it just worked out that way. But I wonder if that was something that had been pointed out by the time they made this movie mm-hmm. and they decided to keep it going or if it was still like an art direction thing more than anything or what? It was I, full really on curious. weapon. It's full on what? A weapon
2: of story. Yeah.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Gotcha. You would
3: never when have you ever in your life seen someone eating an orange the way Michael? Not quite eating like that. Not like that. I kinda want weird. to right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 but but I mean, I I guess two of the things two of the three things that Alicia pointed out are still preceding a death, right? The Finucci, I think he gets that orange and then he gets killed. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when Michael is eating that orange, I think it's as he was Plotting uh, Hyman Ross. Murdered, yeah, plumbing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, plotting. Yeah, exactly. Plotting an assassination. I think you're the the instance where Vito gets the oranges. I don't think there's a death right after that. So it kind of breaks that pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, maybe that's the one that proves the rule or something. I don't know. Or
3: maybe it's the death of like who he was before as that's just true. this yeah. Yeah. ordinary yeah, well, yeah. person. I mean, I
0: don't think there's nothing to that though. Cause like, I, I, I it really hit me this time watching it of like how. You know, earlier in the movie, when he's offered a little bit of charity by someone, he turns it down because uh, maybe it's a pride or something. Mm. And then he uh-huh. takes those oranges willingly. I mean, he has to be kind of convinced, but it doesn't take much convincing. And it, it is sort of like, I think you could see it as two sides of the same coin of maybe he sees like, okay, I have, I'm have i respected now, so I should. I, it's okay to accept this because it's a sign of respect and that's what I wanted. But it's also maybe corruption you know like it that's the other side of what this respect is in this setting and in this dynamic you know it's it's not just respect it's a corruption that he's taking something that he didn't truthfully earn 100 percent. it's some earned by someone else who's then paying it up not forward but up the chain i
2: hear that you're using the word corruption and that makes a lot of sense but in the italian mind mm-hmm. the sicilian mind like perhaps it's a it's a question of not insulting
0: well sure I, you know
2: like there's bad element as well what you're i'm not discounting what you're saying but i think there might be other aspects
0: right but i well, think I, that i think what you're saying also plays into that though is in that like what happens to him is he he is in this new world and he's trying to make a, a way for himself and his family and his associates and the respect he's trying to earn that he's he's sort of Trying to go about it in a different way than the the models he has before him of the dawn in Italy and the dawn in, I guess, little Italy, I think is where they are, right? And mm-hmm. um, yeah. he wants to have truly earned it instead of it just being something that is handed to him, right? But it's still that he expects something. He's just being a little more polite about it. And that's, to me, it's like a lighter corruption, I think.
1: I don't know. I disagree.
0: Well, that's fine, too.
1: i kind of looked at it as like he before he wasn't in a position to like accept you know Mm -hmm. power or whatever if you want to look at the grocer trying to hand him something as like a way to like it's like a thing about power or whatever but by the time the guy hands him the oranges the grocer hands him the oranges he's like he's he's made his moves and he's like in a he's in a position to be like okay like yeah yeah. Now you come to me, and I'll get I'll do something for you when
4: right. you need it. Like they gave it to him willingly instead of him getting it taken. So that just meant that, like, the society mm-hmm. at large was okay with him taking on that role, and he was going to be a softer, more family familial, like leader, mm-hmm. or you know, don as opposed to the other person that kind of ruled with cruelty. You know, they were like, okay, we can give you this, and this right. is going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
2: agreed. That's what I was trying to say. There's no more trying. Mm -hmm. it's like he earned that respect it's his yeah yeah.
0: but i I do think like i I think what alicia was saying though is that this is still like a prototype version of what we see at the beginning of the first movie of where sure he'll take your 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 uh favor but that means something is going to happen in return like you know like that's right it's very transactional yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's exactly that's a perfect word yeah understood that's a good point very good point. Well, since we're talking about the kind of prequel element of this movie, I'm I'm curious what everyone thought of De Niro's take on this character because I, I like I said in the intro, I do think it's a very deft performance. I think that it's he's so good at getting at the character and even doing a little bit that hints at what Brando was doing without doing an impression, so it's not distracting. It's it's still its own creation. And it's attached to the character, like I said, more than the actor who played it previously and also won an Oscar for it. Um, so uh, what does everyone think of that? It sounds like we all enjoyed it, but any specific thoughts on his performance?
1: I just love the subtlety of it. He, you I mean, he's his face hardly registers any change in expression. <laughs> but there's still like so much going on. You can mm-hmm. still see how, worried he is when the baby has pneumonia, how like his body is like tense and he's like, you know, scared and how sort of um, when he's first, uh, when De Niro first kind of comes on, he's kind of very, he's serious, but like nice, but kind of like, he's not walking around smiling all all day long, but like at the sort of the further you get in his story, you can tell that he's like starting to enjoy like, his position, like, when the landlord comes in and is, like, bumbling around mm-hmm. trying to- <laughs>
3: The door. He's just,
1: yeah, yeah and yeah. he's just, like, smiling, and he's, like, this is great, yeah. <laughs> like, he just does so much with, like, with so little, Um, yeah, I think it's, like, a masterful performance, actually, and totally not an impression, not, he's not trying to do what Brando did, he's, he definitely, like, gives it his own- Thing, but it's also still in line with what Brando was doing. Like, I, yeah. I just think it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, like yeah. I think he does a good job of showing you the seeds of the character without, mm-hmm. it, without like mm-hmm. going over the top and like tipping the hand, so to speak.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing your mother being killed and your family being killed and then having to go to America by yourself mm-hmm. and just seeing the continuation when he was a child to him as he grew and became part of that society, he completely, you understood it. He and personified he kind of that. The, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
2: I got to give it up to Bruno Kirby.
4: Yes. Yes. So Fucking good.
2: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> As a yeah. young Clemenza.
3: Yeah. When-
2: I mean, Robert De Niro is beautiful. Beautiful. You can't like touch it. It's like <laughs> art, work of art. But Bruno Kirby is just so dynamic and just he steals every scene. And it's amazing. I love I feel- it. I love it so much.
1: Yeah. I feel that way about Lee um, Strasberg playing Roth. I feel like he steals every scene that he's in. There's so oh, many man. good performances yeah, in this. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, really I feel are. that way
0: about uh, John Cazale as, mm, as France. Yes. Like, oh, like my so God. much of this yeah. movie is him, and it's yeah. like, it's oh my God. It it makes me so sad when I think about, like, how little of of him there he is. You got of him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, mm-hmm. what was, he's in, like, five movies, and all of them giant, you know? I um, know. Yeah. It, it, what a God, career. God,
2: what, what a gift.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
3: Wh- one thing that I really I thought yeah everything everyone said Robert De Niro amazing I loved all the flashbacks I can't imagine coming to America at the age like what was he supposed to be like nine twelve yeah, nine. So, nine nine I, I wish they don't al- they'd almost done a few scenes of like how just how did he survive from nine until eighteen or whenever mm-hmm. it picks back up, um but one thing for me especially when they go to Italy in the flashbacks, just his such intense love for his family and for his children specifically. And, you know, throughout the whole thing, like at the beginning when he's like, oh, it's just my wife and my son. That's like all I care about. That's my world. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, as he gains more power and more influence and more money, obviously like that still remains. And then just contrasting that with. You know, Michael and Connie too, who are just like Michael is just psychotically like obsessed with the idea of his children, but like spends zero time with mm-hmm. them. Yeah,
0: he doesn't nurture them at all. Like no. he's seeing more nurturing from Fredo. Yeah, sad. right. Yeah. That's where I was going. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's okay.
3: Um, and I mean from the first movie, like I don't remember Sunny really giving two shits about his kids either. They're yeah. just kind of there. And you know Michael, especially with his obsession with oh, was it a boy? Which I definitely mm-hmm. want to talk about the abortion uh, fight yeah. in a yeah, because that's a whole separate discussion. But, um, but you know he doesn't care about his kids. Connie clearly doesn't care about her children. Um, but then Fredo is you know yeah teaching the the son how t- Anthony right I think is his name mm-hmm. how to mm-hmm. fish, and it seems like to be the only one who actually cares about this. um cares about the children, cares about the next generation. And so just that difference between these two generations here, I mean, I feel like that's, again, like the larger theme of the movie, but just really, really hit me watching it.
1: I feel like Vito had his family taken at such a young age that he values it so much when he has when he's yeah. able to make his own family. And for Michael, he just takes it for granted. and it's, um, the family has always been there for him. right? And obviously he starts to confront the fact that, that that's changing, but it's just an ego thing. I really think that like, he yeah. feels like he's entitled to this wife and these kids and this American dream or whatever he's chasing. And it's very, very different from, from Vito.
4: I think it was just that Michael wanted to be like his father but he didn't see the whole picture sometimes Mm -hmm. he just saw like the the nuts and bolts of it same with the business like he was running it in a completely different way even though he was the don he didn't run it like his father and he was just having issues with that and i think that's what stemmed from a lot of his his problems with that just seeing people as kind of objects and not as like a real family it's like family with a small f versus family with a big f right even
1: the advice that he like recalls that his father had given him i think there's like maybe two times that he like mentioned something his father told him like keep your friends close but keep your enemies closer and then one other one that I can't remember right now <laughs> but he kind of like messes up at both of those I things think
2: how the people around you think
1: yes yes and he screws up on both of those things like he does. He, 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 does. he remembers the advice but he doesn't mm-hmm. actually like take understand it, it understand and yeah him. and take it in yeah
3: the very last scene, well, I guess not the very last one, but the the flashback at the end when it's you know all the kids are still alive and they're sitting around the table and it's Pearl Harbor Day and just the the interactions and everything and then you know everyone goes downstairs except for Michael and it just really broke my heart watching it even though you're like you did this like maybe and maybe not Sunny <clears throat> that was a different uh, you know whatever different thing there but like you literally like either killed these people or drove them away from you or alienated right. them all. Mm-hmm. But it still is just so like, oh man, like it didn't have to be like this. <laughs> well, you can
1: see even in that scene that he he made a decision about what he wanted to do. He didn't consult anybody else. Yep. He didn't take into consideration what his father might've been trying to do behind the scenes at all for him. And then everyone's mad at him and is like, yeah right. I mean, I
3: feel leave leave like, Yeah. well and it's like for so I, I feel like he was so like oh i'm gonna be the one that's different like yeah, i'm this yeah. exception right. and he was set up to be like that right like he was gonna mm-hmm. be the senator like the the life he ended up having wasn't his intended path
0: he was like the one who was like the loner of the family he didn't want to be part of the family business and then he at some point decided like i have to be part of the family business to help the family survive and then him doing that leads to the point where he's a loner again like he started off like he he is a loner and he is alone like I I, I've noticed it this time like that yeah he it cuts straight from everyone's left the room and he's the only one at the table in that in that uh, birthday party scene and then it cuts to him alone in his older age you know and it's just he was destined to be alone, I guess, in terms of this family. The only way he could have gotten out is if everything had gone different in terms of like the the stuff in the first movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And he hadn't gotten sucked into it, but maybe that was never going to happen. Maybe it was all just like, that's the point is that he was never going to be able to escape this.
1: Yeah. We plan and God laughs. laughs.
2: Yeah. He had a choice up until the last five minutes of the film.
0: I mean, I think he blows it well before that, though.
2: Honestly, the murder of Fredo, I think, is the end
0: of his soul. Yeah. I mean, sure. Sure. That that doesn't help.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so why I-, I don't think that he...
2: I don't know. I feel like in the the context of the film, the previous murders...
1: You think he could have like clawed yeah. his way back with, with with like K and stuff? Yeah, I think K was gone. Not with Hitting K. It, I
2: mean, marriages end. Yeah. That's not the end. Of the, that's done. And Italian men, you know, have a thing about their kids. Like, fine.
0: But there was no warmth, I, like Mia was saying before. There's like, no
2: warmth at yeah. all. I mean, he doesn't know he how to be
0: a father. He just knows how absolutely. to, how to own absolutely, absolutely. They're like trophies to him of of like a life he thinks he's supposed to lead. A hundred percent, I
1: agree with you. Yeah. But I think he's already done. But when this movie begins, I think he's like already. We're just watching the. We're just watching him roll down the
4: mountain.
2: He <laughs> <I laughs> respect <laughs> that. I do not feel the same way. Yeah, that's fair.
3: Well that was to me like with my question about like strong or weak especially the last you know 30 minutes or so of the film when he decides to still go and kill Hyman Roth even though Tom is like he's going to be dead in like 6 months man like you know do we really have to and then the thing with Fredo and convincing the other guy who's in military prison presume of I mean I don't know if they ever say exactly how long but like he's pretty old already he's Frank prob- Pantangeli yes yeah. thank you mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be there for a while if and when he ever gets out is he really going to be a threat but like he
2: would never get out it was the only way to have to secure his family to have money to be safe and sure. not Yeah, it was you I'm mean sorry would- to interrupt you. he would
3: never get out of prison no yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think either whatever sentence he has for <laughs> lying to the U.S. government, he's either in there forever or he's just going to like get, you know, he's old. He's going to get sick and die in there and everything. But it's like they convince him to kill himself. They He's the one who brought up suicide, though.
0: No, I feel he's like led he's, there by yeah, Tom. Totally. When they're talking I about
3: like, it's the a, downfall it, of the Roman there's Empire. There's an understanding
0: between them of like, yeah, th- yeah, you're, you're going to yeah. make this happen for us, right? And right. then we'll take care of your family, just like the old... Right. Fair. Yeah. Empire used to do.
3: Right. Yeah. But But to me, it was just this. So like none of these three people excepting maybe Fredo, which I don't even know. I like go back and forth on that are like any actual still threat to you. But he's like, they got to die. They can't just like die naturally in six months of whatever disease has been killing this old man forever or let this guy rot in prison, or just like keep Fredo under close watch and let him teach your son how to fish. Like, right. he's just so <laughs> it's warped punishment. in his brain. To me, I
2: feel like the Fredo thing is on such a different level than the other. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's his brother. It and it's yeah. like
3: his last, I mean, I guess he still has Connie, but she's just like, her plot line in this movie was so weird to me too. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, wait, what? Like, I feel like I missed something here where she just gets mm-hmm. so broken by her well, mother's dad you yeah. yeah no I was just because it's like at the beginning of the movie I was actually like oh shit Connie you know because she's like basically has written off her kids is jetting around like living this very glamorous irresponsible at least in Michael's view life and then you don't really see her again and then she's like basically like I'm here take care of me let me take care of you I don't know, like what. It just feels like there was like a scene that got cut in there. Maybe I just Maybe, need to watch the movie again, though. Or I, I kind of it, chalked it up to the
1: the death of yeah. the mom. The exactly.
4: death of yeah. Mother. Oh, yeah, that's what I Maybe was thinking. Maybe
3: that's it. Yeah, it just seemed like a lot
1: mm-hmm.
4: to me. No, I agree with it's you. It's a big it does kind
1: of.
4: Well, the way she also played that when she got back, she was definitely different than when we first saw her in the movie. She was like right. really kind of downtrodden, a little bit like, oh, you know, what? I'm happy to come back. So yeah, but I do think it's
0: interesting that she immediately, like, pledges loyalty to Michael and and tells him, like, I'll be here for you. I'll be here to take care of you. I'll take care of the kids. And then, like, I think the next scene with her is her, like, basically defying Michael by letting Casey the kids. So there's still, like, a little bit of that rebel spirit in her, even mm-hmm. though I, I don't think it's, like, played up for much more than that, but she's still her own person to some degree.
2: For, forgive me. And um, it wasn't... Um her seeing the kids it was her saying goodbye to the kids
1: yeah um, i thought it was left. she was i thought like he knew she was there but he just didn't want to have to see her
2: i think no that was her goodbye
1: oh that like her final goodbye oh okay the house
0: i thought that she had not been able to see the kids for a while and then uh connie yeah. was letting her see them i mean i don't think they make it clear so like yeah. i don't think yeah. they yeah. didn't make it clear right it's interesting that that was yeah. your perception yeah. yeah that was mine too
2: she was just there until she was able to escape, and that was her. Escape. I mean,
0: she's gone already at that point. Like she, she. I didn't think so. But he, no. no when they were in that hotel uh, after the, when he hit her, uh, after the that hearing, doesn't mean she's gone. I mean, he told... not even a little bit. I thought she said she was leaving, and then and, and yeah, but and he that doesn't mean anything. I'm um, okay. Well, different well, I, think it's then. I think it's
3: ambiguous. I thought it was more kind of a like, maybe she's kind of like how he's like with Fredo, like tell me when you're coming to visit Mm -hmm. Mother because I just don't want to be there. I kind of assumed it was like that with Kay. Like, as long as I don't see her, I'm fine with that, you know? But, like, just assuming it would have to be pretty limited, you know? And That That was my take, Yeah, and that Connie was, like, facilitating it, but was like, he's going to be back. Like, you need to get out of here. So, But I didn't think about it, what you brought up, Laura, and that could totally be, you know, I mean, I think it's – they don't say, so (laughs) – yeah. yeah I think Either, anyway. way, Either way, like, I, I
2: do. Yeah. I do see your point about Connie being defiant, because it's like the kid's mother, you know, mm-hmm. like she's human,
3: and she kind of pushes for Fredo too. Like she's yeah. right. He does, and, she goes, and that's she's why like, he went here. in there. Yeah. And- so maybe she's not totally broken, but it was just she has a big arc without a lot of points along
2: yeah, the way yeah. kind of <laughs> exactly. yeah. I would like, say she's underwritten
3: but
0: yeah oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So
2: much with what she's got I mean yeah th-
0: mm-hmm. I think this is the era where like I I mean not that everything's about awards or something but I just think it's like kind of interesting that she got an Oscar nomination for this part but I think this oh. is the era where people would have like one scene and then get a nomination off of it um, <laughs> you know like that happened in network someone had like a, a seven minute scene and got a Supporting Actress Oscar for it, not just the nomination. And <laughs> mm. so I think she got a nomination for that scene with Michael. And not that, again, not that it matters the nomination or not, but like, it's just.
3: No, I think I she's know. really good. She's Yeah, she's good. I, like, in the I was scene like, oh, in, I want more Connie. Yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. They're,
0: they're, they're, I think it could use more of her. And
3: uh, well, especially because she's in the only fan, literally the only. Well, I guess Tom, but, you know, poor Tom.
0: Yeah. Um, Wait,
3: can we talk about the, like, the abortion breakup (laughs) scene?
0: Well, what is your question about it for people?
3: I don't know if I have a question. I just, it's, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, wait, I remember this scene from when I saw it years (laughs) ago, because it's such a, like, striking scene, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure at the time... 1974 right like it was probably pretty like oh whoa like she just said abortion like six times in five Mm -hmm. minutes like that's pretty scandalous and i understand in the context of the movie like oh whoa this is a scandalous thing for this like conservative catholic sicilian family for this to happen for her to make the decision without consulting with her husband i think Based on the three and a half months, it would be too early to know if it was a boy. So I had like a slight, like, you know, science. I think uh, they're playing a little fast. Yeah, but that's fine. I get it. It's like way more impactful if she's like, it was a boy or a son, whatever she says, as opposed to just it being unknown. Right. It's just such a big scene. (laughs) And really, when she's like, our marriage is an abortion, it just
0: It's a little much. In a
3: movie where so many things are so subtle and so many other performances are so subtle, it, like, stands out to me in this really big way.
0: Yeah, I think we get that the marriage is an abortion without you having to say it. It's like, all you like our marriage is an abortion. Like, you just said abortion five times. Now you're talking about the marriage. We get it. Okay.
2: I'll up you guys. Like, I watched that film since I was a little girl. And every time... I see that scene. I'm just like, of course, he's gonna hit you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. I wanted to I wanted to bring that up, too. Like, <laughs> And Alicia, it's disgusting. Alicia it. I'm just
2: like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> when you're literally like about yeah. to get hit. Just stop. Also, it's, it, I know it's horrible to have that thought, but I have it every time I watch that scene.
0: No, I mean, I think that's natural. Alicia. What are Is it you
2: natural know? or it's just like self-hating?
0: Because it it's just not I, it's answer so
2: that. much like <laughs> what
3: are you doing? It's, what are the, you doing in like, the context stop. of knowing the person that Michael like, is? Like what? I know we're all a lot more educated. I know you about, married like, him.
2: You're yeah, the one. Like seven <laughs> years.
0: All of a sudden, well, she's she's turned a blind eye. To
3: all a blind eye. of a
2: sudden,
1: it's an abortion.
0: Uh, Alicia, what, what were That's, you going
1: to say? That kind of is kind of what I what I always think of. I think that scene is cl- so clearly written by a man. Mm-hmm. To be like hurtful in this very specific way to him. I mean, I'm not, I don't think it's like saying that he, what he does is understandable or anything. Cause it's obviously still portraying him in a really bad light. But I do question whether someone that's already a mother has been pregnant for three and a half months would just like be like, I mean, and maybe, maybe there are, maybe women do do that, but like, I'm sure they do. Actually, I know they do, but like, I don't know. It just felt like a really like this like harsh line for her to have, for her to choose to cross when she is already like kind of in this marriage and like, she's been there for this long and she already has two kids. Why would you then just be like, I'm just going to like, I mean, I guess, I guess she's, she has hit her.
0: Yeah. I mean, someone yeah, did just shoot at them coin. in their bedroom, you know? They're that's awesome.
1: true. That's true. I mean, but it just seemed like, I don't know. It, it feels like so harsh to me. It feels like it's such so a hard harsh... to
2: be on her side in that scene.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm pro-choice. Like, of me course, too. like make the decision that's right for you. Obviously. Absolutely. But it, it does feel really like, I don't know me. that a woman would decide to get an abortion just to like punish And use it in that way to like, you know, be, be like vengeful almost about it. I don't know. I guess I don't
0: read it as vengeful. It's more just like almost saving another life from having to enter into this. I don't think think she
1: does it for vengeful reasons, but I think she throws it at him in his face for vengeful Mm -hmm. reasons. And I don't, that's what feels a little um, harsh and unrealistic to me. I don't know. Very difficult for me. Yeah.
4: I didn't read it that way. I felt like she really wanted to shut the door in her marriage and that was the way to do it so that he would never come back and try to get her back. He's very possessive. He wants the family to be the way that he wants it. And this is a line that will just, you can't cross that. And after that it was over. So I I just felt like that's why she did that. And that's why she said that to him. So there would be just no going back from there.
0: Yeah. I I agree with you, Steven. I do think what you said, Alicia is very interesting though, that, it's so clearly written by a man. Like i never thought of it (laughs) that way. And I think that's a very good point. I don't, yeah. I I don't think
3: a woman would ever, even I can see Kay making that choice. Right. But I don't see her ever saying that to him. Cause I just think by her making that choice and by him knowing that she did, she is risking losing her other two children, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which she She does. Right. No, Mm -hmm. and she does. And I wonder if, I get what you're saying, Stephen, and, like, I agree. She probably was, like, I need to shut this door so hard. But I just – maybe she didn't think through, like, by shutting that door so hard, I'm going to put my kids on the other side of the door there. And Sometimes you just have to escape to save yourself. Yeah. Oh, totally. The choice that that she made in that scene. Yeah, totally. But I just think knowing how violent he is, knowing how dangerous he is, like, and just knowing – how psychotic he is right. like how, how powerful he is right how and... powerful he is exactly like i just i don't see her being dumb enough frankly to because Kay is not dumb right like she's like a smart woman or at least she goes mm-hmm. into this being smart. she's like
2: willfully naive though yeah I think yeah
3: that's true yeah yeah
0: i i do think there's a, there is an important like mechanical element of the scene though that like like alicia was saying earlier um Michael is so I don't think you use the word stoic, but that's how I would describe it. He's so like just emotionless or something throughout, just so calm. and I don't know if collected is the right word because it doesn't go well for him in the end. He but, doesn't raise a, his yeah. voice above a but whisper. But this is like of w- one of the moments. There, there's a few times where he yells in this movie and it's always so like I sit back because it's terrifying. just like Yes, yeah, terrifying. Yeah. And this moment, like he reminds me of like a fucking panther. Because he just like mm-hmm. all of a sudden jumps at Kay and it takes me by surprise every time I've seen it. Even though like I, like you said, I I know that something is going to happen, but it's just such a quick movement Arma. and so violent, and he like knocks her over, and it's just it's so shocking. Even though I know it's coming, and I think it's it, there's an importance to it in showing that like it's, this isn't all just like abstract for him. You know, you can make the argument that. He doesn't do any of the killing. He doesn't do any of the violence. He facilitates He's not a button it. man. Yeah, he does he has it done for him, but like he is also a fucking violent person, his, his own self. And this is like I think. Well he shows did kill that. Solipso
2: in Sure, sure. And in him. the
0: first movie, yeah. Yeah. But, but
2: he had to. Of course. Yeah. Right, right. And you're on his
0: that's... side in that movie, I think, is the power like, the power of the filmmaking there. But yeah, anyway.
2: Incredible.
3: I, I wonder how it would have like say this is my rewrite. As I, you know. <laughs> Let's rewrite the gun. <laughs> so. no, I think she, she leaves him. And then I picture her and Connie talking like later and her telling Connie. I can see yeah. that being the more realistic mm. thing that would happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then maybe. Not as
1: dramatic though
3: sure yeah. yeah i mean so i write a boring movie but <laughs>
4: <laughs> maybe like, he's in the other room when it's happening and he yeah. overhears the conversation or maybe mm-hmm. connie
3: tells him or something mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah so there wouldn't be this like over the top scene
0: mm-hmm. i don't know i've seen i think you guys are veering off into the prestige limited series territory again. i'm just trying to get more connie in
3: and i can see that being a really good Like, if this movie had a female writer in the room, that being a really powerful scene there. They
2: should do something with Connie now. And you know how they're doing, like, a Soprano prequel? They should Mm. do, like, a Connie... Who would play her? Oh, what a good question.
1: Oh, yeah. Shire could still play her. And if you wanted to do like middle aged or retirement age. Well, I thought Connie. she said a prequel yeah. to this. You, you oh, still, a prequel. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, my God.
3: Then, it would be so good yeah. to oh, see all the Connie. Like a yeah. They could de age her. Yeah. Yeah. They could de age so her. They could de There's so many stories
2: <laughs> untold with Connie. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, even just that one scene when they have her meeting, uh, what's his name? at the, the Carlo? Very, yeah, at the very end. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Here we go.
2: You know, yeah. I read that James Khan was paid the same amount yeah. he was paid for Godfather Part One for that one scene.
0: Yeah, he didn't, what? yeah. What I mean, I? I don't know if that says more about like how how much he got paid for the first movie. Or yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I think it's
2: yeah, yeah. It, the
0: budget and yeah. yeah,
2: it doesn't say. I don't think it says anything bad about Con, but
0: no, no, no. Oh, good no. For, it's him. Just, yeah, good money. for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, and also like. <laughs> Brando was supposed to be in that last scene, and then just
2: right, he didn't show up. He didn't, cause show, he didn't up show up because so he good. was
0: mad at Par- or yeah Paramount or something. So they. Bengali wasn't saw. in that scene because yeah, I, I know. I don't think it would have been good. I, mean, I think yeah, good. You yeah. yeah, you didn't need him. You didn't need him. It was, Marlon
3: Brando uh, who needs him no I think it's good that he's like this looming presence better than yeah.
0: more than he's in it I think, the, it, it, I think first, it would be so weird to just yeah. like have Marlon Brando there for like 15 that. seconds yeah. or something sitting there yeah. like, oh for me well I think it would have been a different scene it's my cake it. my cake is here
3: <laughs> so my question was Michael says throughout the film he is trying to be strong for his family like his father was by the end of the film do you actually see him as strong or weak the choices that he's making, like, are they in his mind and in your mind, too, are they worth it, quote unquote?
4: I'm wondering, because when you see him at the end, it seems like it wasn't worth it. I mean, just from where his, you know, when he's kind of looking off into like the past, it seems like all the decisions that he made just were not, they they were kind of done for the good of like what he thought the family should be in his perception of it and everything supported that even like the party at the beginning he sort of wanted to take all the italian stuff out of that party in order to like be accepted and it still wasn't working for him so i feel like he was making these decisions but they were you know and it, it's just like you made bad decision after bad decision but after a while you just can't even turn the ship it's just like it's too late so you kind of have to kind of stick to your guns and do what you were going to do for the family the way that you perceive the family to be. So I think that he thought he was strong, but he was making weak decisions.
0: I'm on the fence. Cause like, I think he kind of gives up the game a little bit when he is asking his mother about this thing, you know, cause he, he's sort of like telegraphing that he knows he's actually weaker than he, he pretends to be, I think in that, in that scene, cause he's like, what am I doing wrong here is essentially what it comes down to. Like how did dad do this? And, and he's still in
2: charge. He's the one making driving the whole thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah. he's, uh, he's, you know he's the one who can it.
4: fuck it up the most.
2: And mm-hmm. there, and then he kills Fredo. So yeah. Yeah.
4: His, his mother's response to that was like, you can never lose your family. Right. so right. he was like just thinking yeah. like I can make these decisions yeah. I'm not gonna lose them and
0: he's like hold my beer
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he exactly. does say
1: he does say times are changing after she says that so it it's like true. I think he recognizes that he actually is on the ice, but he still makes the, all the wrong right. decisions anyway yeah. I think it's a very like surface I don't know if surface level is the right word but it's like a very like toxic masculinity sort of idea of what strength is mm-hmm. and what weakness is and Um, there's like that sort of to me, it ties into like the anti-hero thing that I talked about at the beginning. And but it also ties into like what type of strength we value in our society. And it's like a really big question because there are so many people that would come and say, Yeah, he is strong and he made these strong decisions, and everybody that abandoned him was weak, and you know, Fredo was weak and Fredo is weak, like that's true. And he he does like w- technically like win in the end, like in the in terms of he maintains his power over his enterprise. So that is kind of strength. <laughs> but yeah, like the question is like it, at what cost? And is that really strong? Like, what's it worth? What's it worth to hang on to that? <laughs> And there's all questions about like how America acts in this movie and mm-hmm. how they how we're like meddling in, you know, Latin America with sending yeah. our like government proxies down there and installing dictators. And you know, it's it's a really big question about like what does America view as strength and weakness and how do we yeah. exercise that stuff? And yeah, it's it's, it's a lot.
3: Well, I think it's also, I mean, I've never seen Godfather 3. Jeremiah convinced me or tried to convince me to start watching it at like 11 o'clock last night. And I was like, no, I'm good. Don't um, watch it. Don't watch it? Is no. that what you said? Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> I haven't not, seen it either. It's yeah. definitely a drop off.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard its it's not good. But I wonder like, okay, so this movie ends here. But say like, okay, you know, he does still have Connie. What is her future? He has his two children. There's no doubt in my mind that Michael could just like remarry someone have some more kids so he still has a family that he's building um he still has tom despite his like horrible treatment of him and you know he still has people who are willing to serve him he still has all this power so i feel like the movie ends at this really low point for him but i don't know if he's gonna stay at that low point
1: it's an emotional low point it's like a mental yes. low point but technically he is still in a yeah. position of strength and, yeah you know so it's it's a yeah like it's he's beaten the
3: government you know yeah. this thing looming over him and i'm not saying like i mean obviously i think he's a total psychopath and i think if he does get married again i see no reason why it would end up like that differently than how his marriage with kay does like i don't think he's ever going to be like a happy person like it seems like his dad was with his family and like, he, he's always going to be in the pursuit of greater power, greater ego, all of these things at the expense of those individuals around him. But I can see him rebuilding his family, family as objects well, to I'm, a certain extent.
0: I'm curious though, like, are you saying that because you kind of know that there's more story, or like, or
3: no? It, even if there wasn't a Godfather three, I really? would just say you think the that- movie ends here. Mm-hmm. But like. Michael doesn't die, and he's not old. You know, there's no reason oh. to think. Why wouldn't he get remarried? He's supposed to be like what, like forty when the movie well, ends? Well, I think maybe?
0: that last shot of him, he's supposed to be older. I don't. It's still not clear how old, but I, I think some time has passed. There's like a little gray in his hair or something. But I, I, don't know. I guess I. To me, like if I was watching this movie in 1974 and the credits roll, I'm like, oh man, he fucked up and he screwed up his life and he's sure. done. Like, you know, that's, that would be my takeaway from this. I wouldn't be thinking like, oh, there was some ambiguity about he might be able to pull it out and kind of go a different path or something. Like, it seems like the message at the end of this movie is that was not worth it, you know, for him. He, he fucked up his life. He fucked up his family. And this is what happens to you if you, if you try to have it all.
2: He, um... Screwed up his life, screwed up his family. He could just make another one. Yeah.
0: Because like he's what a powerful, right? Yeah.
3: Exactly. He's a powerful rich man in America. Sure. Why wouldn't he just be able to start it? Over? So on that
2: level, I could see it being a probability.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess Even I, if he's I, old. I just never would have thought that at the end of this movie.
1: I had the same thought as Mia. Like, I always <laughs> think that it's a little, like, you get that, like, he's in a destroyed mindset on a personal level at the end there. But yeah, he does still have everything that you need in life (laughs) to go out and do whatever you want. And I also
2: think in his mind, he's justified for all of.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay. Fuck her. Like, are you kidding? She aborted his child. Like, he doesn't feel like he screwed up the marriage. It's not like he's going to, like, go to therapy and, like, start to work on his traumas (laughs) or anything. Like, he's just going to (laughs) repeat the same mistakes. We saw Gone with the Wind. Several years ago now. And at the end of it, you were basically saying, Why wouldn't she get Rhett back? Because for those who haven't seen, like they're not together at the end. Like, why wouldn't she? She's always gotten him back before. You know, she's going to pull herself up. She's going to put on a dress. She's going to go on out there and like she'll convince him. It doesn't matter that she's at this super low point right now. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like, it's like these two extremely psychologically damaged people but they have every they have all the tools in their toolbox that they need to go out and build the same life again I'm not saying that like Scarlett O'Hara is gonna be a better person neither is Michael Corleone but like there's no reason to think that their story ends at this down point
1: the thing is though Scarlett does say like Michael's just sitting there like catatonic at the end and Scarlett
0: says like
1: Tomorrow is another day. True. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Gone, with wind, true. Gone with the
0: come Wind. Gone with the Wind is largely the story of her overcoming adversity, and, and Godfather Two is largely the story of Michael fucking everything up. So, like, I don't come away from the end of this movie thinking he is improving his circumstance. He's just gonna keep being an asshole. But he
3: is improving his business circumstances. He's yeah, like but- eliminated. All sure. of these rivals at this point. I like, know, but the whole is the question in no the movie else. at
0: what cost? Because, like, he doesn't have a family left. Like, he has the wrong family left. But so he does Scarlett. The, the she
3: family. has, who does she have? She's driven away her husband. She basically killed her child. She, like, sure. has no friends. Like, I, I don't
0: think it's the same thing. Sure. Me, it's but. not the exact
3: same <laughs> thing. What's everyone's favorite scene?
0: Well, I'll, I'll say one that, like, struck me this time. Like, I've always enjoyed those scenes that we were talking about earlier of of young Vito coming to America. But like it, it hit me harder this time for some reason that the two shots of Vito first on the boat, seeing the statue of Liberty and then the shot of him after he's gone through uh, the, the immigration stuff and he's basically seeing the statue again. And we, it's a, I love the shot. I've always loved this shot of the reflection of of the Statue of Liberty on the window that he's looking through. So we see him in the same shot as the statue, but it never really like hit me previously how much it's about like perception of freedom versus being in a prison. Like he he's arriving there as a free person and then is immediately imprisoned by this country. And he's seeing the Statue of Liberty through a prison window. Essentially. I know it's a hospital, but Like he is being quarantined and he's being told essentially like you're starting below the bottom right now and you have to figure this out. And it just kind of hit me in a different way this time for some reason than, than it had previously that just like the, the way that sequence is framed by those two shots of the statue. What is everybody else's favorite moments or scene or whatever? I
1: didn't have like a favorite scene. I I mean, I really loved, like I said, the, I loved all the veto parts of this movie, but um, I think my favorite thing that I noticed was that um, it's a parallel to the first movie. There's two, there's like two weddings in the first movie. There's at the beginning, there's Connie's wedding party. You don't see the full ceremony and Michael's first wedding. And in this movie, you start off at a funeral and then later on you have the mother's their mother's funeral. Mm. So there's like two funerals in this one. (laughs) So the first one is like committing to a way of life. And this one is like that way of life, like destroying you. So I like that in any particular scene, I guess.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Well, one of my favorite scenes, there were so many in this movie, but one that really struck me just as a rewatch since I saw it before um was when Frank Pantangelo was or Pantangeli, how do you say his name? I can't
2: Pentangeli, remember. Pantangeli, yeah.
4: It. When he was at the party at the beginning and he was complaining to the band, you know, there's not a single Italian ah. here and wants to get them to play like an Italian song and then it devolves into Pop Goes the Weasel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. just
4: because it was just like it was Michael trying to become legitimate, but it was just not gonna happen and people were gonna make a joke of it. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting way to, to look at it and, you know, trying to still maintain, you know, his, his Italian heritage, but yet wanting to go legitimate and it just wasn't going to work. So I just thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, I have two favorite scenes. Um, in the the flashbacks, um, Vito was following Don Finucci over in, during the festival on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. And you can just oh, yeah. see the image of him Over the rooftops, tracking shots.
0: mm
1: -hmm.
0: Those
2: shots were just so. To me, it's like a painting. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love them. Yeah, always did, still do. And um, and in the present day, I guess was 1959. Um, Michael, why are the blinds open?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's just
2: nothing comes close to that kind of jarring, like hair-raising the back of the neck just mm. it's just incredible what they did with that scene
3: when you said that i felt the hair on the back <laughs> of the neck. <laughs> even before you said hair on the back i was just like oh yeah god <laughs> i mean it's just fucking great it is great yeah great um i mean like we've all said so many great scenes for me the time from when they're when they're in cuba and when they're all at the show and Fredo slips up oh, and says he knows so the guy mm-hmm. and my, you just see mm-hmm. Michael being like chuck, 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 wheels in his <laughs> head turning, but just standing there like solid no, stone.
0: Well, for a minute. For a I, minute, yeah. I think it's actually the most emotional, truly emotional you see him because then he kind of doubles over like he's just like, looks like he's about to fucking die of just he's like in pain. Grief. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't Heart like.
2: broken.
3: I, you know, to me, I, you'd be like... Right, he doesn't, you know, a, he, doesn't re- he doesn't give it he, away. Right, yeah. he, doesn't re- he doesn't react to Fredo. Right. Like, if you were just standing there next to him, you probably Definitely. wouldn't have like, noticed anything going on. And so that, through the kiss of death at the ball, you know, an hour later or whatever it's supposed to be, is just such a, like, oh my God, like, mm-hmm. stab me in the heart. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Fredo, man why <laughs> Why you gotta be like that
0: so do we think that this movie has stood the test of time i mean i'm just gonna say fucking yes of course I mean, <laughs> um, like a no, right. resounding yeah okay yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
1: oh do you guys know what the word on the boat mo- moshulu moshulu the name of the boat that he comes in on Ew. moshulu it's a seneca i looked it up it's a seneca word That means fearless. Mm.
2: Thank you for looking that up. That's so nice.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. No, really.
2: I I really appreciate that. I did some
3: homework this time. (laughs) (laughs) I really am. One point I was going to make earlier when we were talking, when Alicia, you brought up the anti-hero thing. To me, I think there's so much of the pop culture phenomena around the Godfather trilogy where even if you've never seen the movies, you know oh okay, it's about the mafia. And oh, you can see like the logo or the, you know, the puppet strings thing in mm-hmm. your head. So I wonder how many people who are like, "Oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, have they actually seen the movie? And if they have, like, have they seen it since they were like a sixteen year old, you know, to like actually be like, "Oh, wait because they can see seeing it when you're younger and being like, oh, yeah, man, that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. and But not really grasping it. Mm-hmm. um, So, yeah. yeah. I just feel like there's like this thing around it where if you haven't really watched it, you could see it as like this aspirational thing almost. But then when you do, you're like, ew, well, ew. yeah, money's nice, but like so is having well, your family.
1: I also think that like – there has been so much or in the last decade, I guess, or the last two decades, there have been so many, I, I know I mentioned like Breaking Bad as an example earlier, but like even the Sopranos, like I didn't watch the Sopranos, but I know the gist of it is that they're taking this character. That's a, a bad guy or whatever. And they're like giving him, they're like taking you into like his inner world and like giving you a peek at what's driving him or, or, or how he feels about what he's doing, I guess. And it's, mm-hmm it's yeah, I, I understand why people get sucked into that and why, it, why it can sometimes feel like it's being glorified um, as opposed to being like condemned. Like if you don't take it all in, if you, maybe you watch like only a few episodes of the Sopranos and you're like, oh, cool. You know, like, I don't know. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done and, or that it's not, or that they're doing anything wrong. Cause I don't think that's the case at all. I, I just think it, I just think there's. I just think it raises questions and there's, you know, there's people out there that aren't going to always interpret what you're putting out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're going to interpret their own way. That's what happens with all art. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just, you know, I just always think about it. Just something to think about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think I've said it plenty of times before, but it, it, to me, like this is one of those movies that comes down to portrayal versus endorsement. It's like portraying something Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean go out and do it. It's just trying to, like, yeah. kind of explain, like, how well, someone becomes this way. I would say it's becomes this actually
1: way. trying to to exactly. tell you
0: you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I see it as a cautionary tale in in this yeah. case. But but I, I understand, like, you're saying that some people take a surface level view of it and, and don't, like, delve into it and figure out, like, oh, this is bad that this is happening to this guy. This isn't badass. It's just fucking shitty, you know?
1: I think that's why we, part of the reason why we have the president we just had is because people take the wrong message from things a lot, you know? So anyway, I'm not saying you shouldn't make this type of art at all. Like I do think it is a cautionary tale and yeah, I think it's actually very important, but I just wish that sometimes this, this, this this stuff that happens in society could be a little more, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but anyway,
0: so why don't we go ahead to our bonus question. Uh, Steven, you had a question for us pretty tied into this movie and our discussion, I think so.
4: Sure. Um, since some people consider The Godfather 2 to be the superior movie to Godfather 1, which is technically a sequel, um, what movie sequels do you consider to be better than the original? And um, I had a couple, I did put one in the Facebook page that was Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times movies like that, they spend so much time trying to introduce the characters and just be pretty that right. they wait for the second movie to actually tell a tighter story. And that story was just a, a miles above a better story. So um, I like that one better.
0: Mine that I also did put in the Facebook group was Mad Max Fury Road. I could watch that movie just about any day. The other movies are pretty good too, I except maybe... Uh, Thunderdome, but you know, I think uh, Mad Max Fury Road is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and it's the fourth fucking movie. How'd <laughs> they do that anyway? Who's next?
3: I took a very literal view of sequels being like number I two. I do too. Okay, yeah, thank you. So then it made me made it really hard for me to come up with an answer. Yep. So, my like unorthodox, in my opinion, answer, is that there are so many movie series that just get better as they go on. Um, I'm going to call out Toy Story, Harry Potter, and shamefully, Twilight. Um, (laughs) And just, I think, you know, with so many of these things, especially, I mean, I guess Toy Story isn't, but like the other two that are based on books that you know, at least in theory, start off as more children's or at least like tween books. And then as they go on, they get into more complex themes, more adult issues and things like that. So I think with both of those. What's your answer? All of those. those no. Are, yeah. No. You have pick a <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> but, I, but see, the thing is, I don't think there's not like one movie because there's like, what, eight Harry Potter movies. I don't think there's one that's better than the first one because they're all better than the first one because the first one is like the worst movie. And same thing with Toy Story and same thing that's with Twilight. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So I think it's like, is it that there's better directors who were brought in? Is it that there's a bigger budget? Is it that just they're reflecting for two of those at least material that's already- Because Twilight,
2: I think the first one's the best one. What? The rest are shit.
3: What? The I first mean. one is so I mean none of them are great. Okay. But, okay. None of, these, <laughs> none, of the, none of those movies are that good. Um, <laughs> Twilight specifically. Yeah, you're Twilight. Talking about. Twilight yeah. Definitely Twilight.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alicia, what about you? Uh,
1: I did post it in the Facebook uh, chat um uh, before sunset, which is that Yin Hawk Julie Delpy movie yeah. that follows before sunrise. That's um yeah, I just like the sequel. They finally like get it together and there's some things that aren't great about that <laughs> because he's like buried or something already. But um, yeah, it just it's just so romantic and yeah. I don't know. I just love that movie.
0: Yeah, and Laura?
2: Well, also like Mia, even though I contradicted her and gave her a hard <laughs> time throughout her entire answer, um, I have a very strict um, definition of sequel. I think it's the second movie that comes from the first one. I do, you yeah, know, well, otherwise great, I would talk do. about Thor Ragnarok right now, I, but I, it's not the fucking Laura. second movie. <laughs> I, I wanna <laughs> hear
4: you talk about that.
3: I, <laughs> <laughs> we need rules for a society, and this Let's is one of the things. Let's we'll talk about that.
4: Okay.
2: Um, for me, I chose Train Spotting too, because even though the soundtrack on the first film is stellar and the first film has some amazing moments and stylized filmmaking, I think the second one had so much more heart. And I think it's a better film.
0: Interesting. So that's
2: that's my answer.
0: <laughs> I don't understand why a sequel is just the second movie. I'm just going to say that, but whatever. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Does S E Q mean means- have to mean second? second. I know. Yes. Then what's the In
0: third Latin. one called? Well, then, I mean, then Mad Max. Fury Road is a sequel to Thunderdome, and it's much better than Thunderdome. So I don't
1: know what you Yeah, like, you could always just say, yeah, like, the fourth always movie sequel is to the last movie. To the movie yeah. Or to the fifth, yeah, fifth movie exactly. is sequel to the
4: fourth movie. I guess I should have put the definition in there. when.
3: Yes, I, thank you. No, I think, I think the
0: definition of a sequel is well-known, Stephen, and you were correct. <laughs> okay. Well, here's
3: a question, too, because one thing, actually, as Alicia was talking about before Sunset, I was thinking about Dazed and Confused and Everybody Wants Want Some. some. Yeah. I haven't mean, seen it. Is it good? Everybody yeah. Wants Some is so good. I would actually say that is better than Dazed and Confused. Okay. As a film. I should I, I should loved watch it. That. Yeah. I really loved it. I like Dazed and I Confused. I love Linklater. Yeah. But I, I think he referred to them or at least it was spiritual. considered to be a spiritual sequel. So is that a sequel? It's, I mean, he said a sequel? A what? He said Everybody Wants Some was a spiritual sequel. Too Dazed and Confused.
2: That's weird.
3: Yeah, so like, is that a sequel? I mean, I guess (laughs) so, but.
2: I wonder what a spiritual sequel to Slacker would be.
3: (laughs)
1: We'll find out. (laughs)
0: Clerks?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was funny.
1: (laughs) did anyone like Mallrats better than clerks or isn't that the second one
0: (laughs) well to the original question about uh sequels that may be better than the original we had a couple of answers in our facebook group as well charlie said a shot in the dark from the uh pink panther uh, cluso series with peter sellers and sid said the empire strikes back which yeah that's one of those that also gets i feel like that's a lot like godfather 2 where people say it's uh, it's better in the first. But I, I say with that one, like I said with Godfather too, like it's hard for me to see that as a standalone movie. Um, yeah, me too. But, I would,
2: I would think more of Empire than.
0: But I, I agree that like there's a lot of filmmaking about it that is better and more advanced. Um, Which
2: one's the one with the Ewoks?
0: That is Return of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Our next episode is Stephen's third pick. Stephen, do you want to tell us what that is?
4: Yeah, uh, my pick is Singing in the Rain, which was directed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan. It was released in 1952, and it's available to stream with a subscription on HBO Max, and it's also available to rent via Apple TV, Amazon, Google, or wherever else you stream stuff.
0: Truth. And I'm excited
4: about this because we get a a comedy movie in there and there's not a whole lot on this list. Yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah. That is true. So uh, that's it for this episode of Stereoactive Movie Club. We invite you to join us on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Stereoactive Movie Club. You can also email us at stereoactivemovieclub at gmail.com and you can leave us a voice message. And I hope
2: there's some heavy breathing on it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you can do that at... Anchor.fm slash Stereoactive Movie Club. Movie Club. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.